You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's Friday. We're in the Tracks Plus studios. Not sure how long we'll be here because in thriving downtown Starkville, Mississippi, we are getting ready for the concert of the year. Jason Derulo here for Bulldog Bash. Bart Gregory is here with me. He's got his autograph book. He has already got his chairs out. He has camped out. He's got somebody holding his spot right now. I went over there this morning, and, of course, this is early Friday morning, and they're putting up the stage right now. And so they have just an army of people over there putting up the stage and the sound equipment. And I walked over there and asked where Jason was. I figured a guy like Jason Derulo, who who cares about his organization from the ground up, would be out there at least helping put the stage up. He, well, it's like uh, Ronald Reagan. You say you got to own the space. you got to be the first guy there. You take ownership of the space. So maybe he'll be here in a little while. This is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig, Mississippi State and the University of Arkansas playing a football game that will no doubt be anticipated by many across the country. Bulldogs coming in three and three. Arkansas coming in. They've lost five in a row. But, Bart, I'm going to tell you right now, this is the best five-in-a-row loss team that college football's ever seen. Best two and five team in the country right now? Absolutely. And I actually I do believe as crazy that. as that sounds. <laughs> this is a team they've lost five straight games, but here's what you've got. They've lost by an average of like six point four points per game. The worst loss in that defeat was a loss to Texas A and M, I think by twelve. And they have been there. If Arkansas had gone on the road last week and gotten beat by Alabama and had half a hundred hung on them, you might feel a little differently. But it was a game that was a game to the very end. And for the first time, Arkansas is coming home after 35 days of not playing a game at home. And I want to talk about this a minute before we start digging into numbers, Bart, and we can talk about the effect on Arkansas. There are some very intelligent people who – are in Birmingham, but it's almost like they let the guys who do the replay booth do the scheduling this year. So what happens is is Arkansas plays that league game in Dallas, and so that essentially takes away a home game every other year from Arkansas and Texas A&M. But what they did with their schedule was is they had a road game against LSU, then the neutral site game, and then back-to-back road games. And so they have played four games in a row, all in the SEC, outside of their home stadium. And I'm not normally the person who will take up for someone like Arkansas, but I will in that case like you, Charlie, because had that happened to us, you talk about screaming and yelling, and it's deservedly so. I mean, it's, well, it's not fair in today's world. I'll give you the opposite. We suffered by playing this many home games in a row. And you're going to say, wait a minute, how do you ever suffer by being home? Well, you got to go on the road at some point, so you got to play them. But the other thing is, look, I mean, let's just face it. Your attendance hurts when you have back-to-back-to-back home games. People just get they get a little tired. Well, that and in today's world, when you have so many other things going on, we're talking about travel baseball, travel soccer, and 
kids are doing this and that, and all of a sudden you got five football games in six weeks at home, it does make it tough. But Arkansas, and, I, and that's why I think going up there tomorrow is actually kind of walking into a hornet's nest, even though they've lost five games in a row. I think their fans – now, do they have some irrational fans? Oh, boy, howdy. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sam Pittman has deleted some social media over this. They're not very happy. They've lost five in a row. And what did Dennis Green say? You are what your record says you are? Or was that Bill Parcells? Well, I think what you're doing is you're kind of mixing, conflating two. Uh, I think Dennis Green was the they are who we thought they were, but Parcells was you are who you are. You, okay. you are your record when it's all. Well, I'm just okay. So you know, Dennis Parcells. Okay. Dennis Parcells is who I'm who I'm talking about. But I think the rational people understand that they're two and five. They've lost five games in a row. You look at the scores. They lost by three in Baton Rouge. They lost by seven in Oxford. They lost last week by three and had the football late against Alabama. They are playing better. Can I give you a? I, well, I don't want to be critical of Sam Pittman. But I want to go back to that game in Oxford for a minute. If Lane Kiffin is coaching Arkansas, Arkansas wins that game. I agree with that completely. If Sam Pittman is coaching Ole Miss, they lose that game. Yes. And this isn't a Lane Kiffin praise session, but here's what I, I think happened. You look at the drive late in the ball game where Ole Miss goes down and scores. They face a fourth and one on their own side of the field. Sam Pittman's punting that football. Yes. Sam Pittman is going to punt that football. This team, I think, has punted second most of anybody in the league. Sam Pittman's going to punt that football. The other team's going to score, and now he's out of it. But the thought is, hey, we're going to kick it, and we're going to play defense, get the ball back. Lane Kiffin knows. Here's the thing I will give Kiffin. If you are going to steer into analytics, and you're going to steer into this idea of going forward on fourth down, you got to play it out. And you got to realize it's not going to work every time, but you're playing the long game, right? The numbers only work over time. It's like investing in the market. You can have a good day, a bad day. It's the 10-year you got to look at, right? And I don't think Kiffin has one emotional concern. I don't think – I guess that is the benefit of being a guy who probably doesn't care that much. That doesn't care that much, who has a big contract. Hey, fire me if you want to fire me. Yeah, we're going for it. Yeah. Whatever. No. We'll win or we won't. <laughs> but I think it feels like sometimes Sam Pittman coaches a little bit worried – about what's going to happen if it doesn't work. So we talk about Sam Pittman being the old school coach and about Zach Arnett, even though he's the youngest coach in the SEC, of kind of having that old soul. They both coach it in a conservative type of way from that punting standpoint. And does that change tomorrow? For both teams. Yeah, see, here's what – normally the profile of Arkansas in my head is that if they face fourth and one at their own 45, that's a punt. And you wonder tomorrow if Arkansas doesn't turn things on their head a little bit. If they don't say, you know what, we've got a quarterback who is the biggest kid on the playground, and we're going to snap it to him on fourth and one and let him do that. It's staggering how few rushing yards K.J. Jefferson has. It's staggering how few rushing yards Arkansas has. Averaging less than three yards a carry. Do you attribute any of that to the injury to Rocket Sanders? I think you do. And he's not going to play tomorrow, so or probably not going to play tomorrow. So you just kind of wonder. You know, the thing about K.J. Jefferson in the past couple of years, and one of the reasons he had some success running with the mesh read, and he's not really just a whole lot of 
you know, mesh reed type guy. He's a he's a scrambling type guy, or he's a power guy. He's very reminiscent of how we we used to use Dak Prescott. Snap it to him and let's quarterback power over right side. And so just not having that presence with Rocket Sanders, you kind of wonder what that's done to their entire rushing game. Well, and I don't – I will be – if I were an Arkansas fan and I left that stadium tomorrow and K.J. Jefferson has under 40 yards rushing and has actually probably a better measure than yards rushing is first downs that he picks up rushing. Uh, you, you get the distinction here? I do. How many times do you convert with him rushing the football? And there's two ways you can see it happening. Number one, we have not been good at getting to the quarterback. And when we have had to sell out, we've left some lanes. Yeah. I mean, we, we have not had pass rush lane discipline, zone discipline, right? And so you can see him pulling it down and running. That's going to be a big story to be tomorrow. But I just wonder if tomorrow is the day where coming home, you've been gone, you've been losing – and Sam Pittman doesn't just say, all right, boys, on fourth and one, every play, we're going we're gonna to get in the shotgun and we're going to snap it to K.J. Jefferson, and we're about to see who the biggest kid on the playground is. Yeah, it's either going to be that or we're going to take the reins off and we're going to simplify things in the passing game because early in the year they were throwing the ball extremely well. And Dan Enos is a first-year offensive coordinator. He was there under Brett Bielema as the offensive coordinator. He's – been at Maryland and Miami the past few years, and it just seems to me, and hey, when you start talking about both of these teams, Charlie, it, it looks like both offenses are a little bit the, the paralysis by analysis, the thought process, everything is just on, on defense for us too, where it looks like a lot of thought is going in with your offense, and so you're not as crisp. And I think a lot of Arkansas people would say the same thing is it looks like K.J. Jefferson is having to think a little bit too much. We've said the same thing coming in about Will Rogers. And, hey, let's go ahead and tackle the elephant in the room. I mean, I don't know if you're going to see Will Rogers in the game tomorrow. I don't know. They have guarded that secret about like they have Fort Knox over the past couple weeks here in Starkville. And so do you see Mike Wright? Do you see – a completely different style of offense from Mississippi State tomorrow. That's a question you, you have to wonder. But from Arkansas' standpoint, is tomorrow the day, like you said, snap it to him and let him be the biggest kid on the playground. You kind of wonder if they're going to do that in both the rushing game and the passing game. Well, you just if they don't, you wonder why not. You wonder why not because I think I would be – if you look at Mississippi State right now and you say, where are you vulnerable on defense? Okay, well, that may take. Well, I was about to ask you. Yes, I mean, where all do you want of the above? <laughs> all right, but um, you know, it's a team. Well, look, it all starts right in my mind with Mississippi State has not done a very good job defending the pass, and because of that, and because you have a competent quarterback, you're going to be facing tomorrow. I mean, you know that they have to be sitting over there in the room saying, "Guys, opposing quarterbacks are completing a hundred out of a hundred passes against us. We got to stop something." All right. And so then what does that do? If you worry about, if you go back to the old mentality we used to talk about, all right, we're going to drop eight. Well, then he's going to run the ball. Yeah. I think this is a dangerous matchup for Mississippi State because of Jefferson. You know, you look at it, here's one of the things that jumped off to me because I tend to, in my mind, and you don't, you know, we don't get to sit around. We watch pieces of other games. You don't get to sit around and dig into them every week because we're playing. But in my mind, watching Arkansas, K.J. Jefferson is a better quarterback than his numbers would say. 
Let me give you this as an example. Jaden Daniels at LSU, K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas. Instinctively, I'd say I'd take either one of those guys. I'd, I'd love to have yeah. either one of them quarterbacking one of my teams. Um, Daniels has run 10 more plays on the season. So 294 plays versus K.J. Jefferson's 284. And Daniels has 1,200 more yards of offense in those plays. Now, what I would say to that is, is he has Malik neighbors, so he has a breakaway guy. He also has, and this is what I was going to talk about too. He has a better offensive line, and one of the things that uh, you know, what did we say going into South Carolina? The weak spot of their team is their offensive line. Arkansas has had a struggle on its offensive line this year, and, and I don't really know why. I and, felt like they would be better than. And they Sam are. Pittman's an old offensive line type coach, and that's the question that people are asking in Arkansas: is how's your offensive line so bad when Sam Pittman's the offensive line type of guy? And so is this the week where it's almost like South Carolina made it a point of emphasis to show, okay, we're going to be physical with our offensive line this week. Is this the week that Arkansas tries to do the same exact thing? We're going to get into our three numbers like we do, but I'm going to give you one that's not a number. But I will be absolutely shocked, flabbergasted, baffled if tomorrow when we're doing the postgame show – that K.J. Jefferson doesn't have north of 50 yards rushing, which isn't something he's done. They have not. He's averaging like 20 yards a game rushing. If K.J. Jefferson – now, part of that is he's been sacked almost four times a game. You talk about problems with that offensive line. They're one of the – that's the thing. You know, you think about you want a big mobile quarterback. You want a dual-threat quarterback. And the idea is what can he do? He can run the football. Well, they're not doing that with him. And he's hard to sack. And he is hard to sack because – I think K.J. Jefferson has probably avoided about six more sacks a game just by being the toughest guy. But four sacks a game to give up with that guy as your quarterback, that does speak to some issues, and it's not with him. Well, see, now you're getting close to one of my numbers, and I guess I'll go ahead and give you my numbers because you're getting dangerously close to taking away my thunder right here, Charlie, with my three numbers. And, of course, well, this is a tracks Plus Deep Dig. tracks Plus headquartered down in Hickory, Mississippi, Saney excavators and mini excavators, the heavy equipment, Barco equipment for the Foresters, Massey Ferguson tractors and implements. The customer service is fantastic. The service center is great. They'll come out to the field if anything breaks down and make sure they'll get you taken care of. That's Trax Plus. Go to TraxPlus.com and you can see the new and used equipment that they have in their inventory. So Tracks Plus, and this is our Tracks Plus Deep Dig. And these three numbers brought to you by our friends at Maroon and Company. Charlie, we talked about this in our last show in the midweek. Oh, by the way, if you haven't listened to the Marcus Grant interview. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And we've gotten some really good feedback. Marcus Grant and now doing some work with the Bulldog Initiative, former Mississippi State basketball player, assistant basketball coach. He joined us in the midweek this past week. And Wouldn't you enjoy, by the way, because he had some great recruiting stories of being <laughs> recruited by Rick Stansberry just showing up at his house at 1.30 in the morning. Wouldn't you love to get that group together now that the statute of limitations has expired and just say, tell us about your recruitment? So, and uh, hey, just to break away from you know the, the tracks plus deep dig for a second, we went to a funeral this past year, year and a half ago, and uh, one of our longtime supporters, and Rick Stansberry was there, Marcus was there, Talvis Franklin, who was director of basketball operations, was there. Robert Kirby was there. And 
we sat around and that's what we did. We just talked about different things. And uh, man, hey, it, it was it was some good stories, some really good stories. And so, you know, like you said, thank good, thank goodness, the statute of limitations <laughs> has, has run out a lot on a lot of those things. But uh, anyway, hey, you were talking about Maroon and Company. Let me underscore this: if you need Mississippi State gear, check out Maroon and Co. Maroonandco.com. Go by there. It doesn't matter if it's online or in store. And whatever you do, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies. NIL10 is the code that you want to use at checkout because here's what's going to happen. You're going to get 10% off. Then there's going to be a 5% donation made to the Bulldog Initiative in addition to that 10% off. So run the numbers. You go in, you buy $100 worth of stuff, you're going to save $10, and we're at the Bulldog Initiative going to get five of that. And it's going – look, this is going to be a significant, significant deal for the Bulldog Initiative – and the guys over at Maroon and Company, I mean, they have been outstanding. So, you know, it puts you in a quandary, doesn't it? Let's say that you were not a huge Mississippi State fan and you found yourself in there looking to buy something. Do I take the code? Do I take the 10% or do I stand on principle? Well, you want to take the code because you want, even though you're not a Mississippi State fan, you want Mississippi State to be competitive because you want as raucous of an atmosphere because it's not going to be a raucous atmosphere if Mississippi State's not any good. Well, there is. I that. mean, I don't want to go to Notre Dame and watch a football game and watch them play Kent State when it's fifty percent full. I want to see it rocking. You want to see the USC game where Notre Dame won handily. But anyway, let's get in to your three numbers and remember the code NIL ten at Maroon and Company. Now I will say this: you know, just you know, my wife has the thought process if something's on sale that she's going to buy it. All right. And so, essentially, everything is on sale at Maroon and & Company. And so, I think over the last month, my wife has taken that to heart by using the promo codes and going in there. I've got a new quarter zip now. I've got all kind of stuff. Maybe she'll deliver down to Nanaway, take up some orders. Kind of like Girl Scout cookies. Well, if you order it online, they'll ship it to Nanaway, well, man. There you go. Yeah. So, anyway. They do th- that? Anyway. Yeah. All right. Your three numbers. Three numbers. And the first one is 32. 32 is the average time of possession for Arkansas. They're third best in the SEC in time of possession. We are 10th in the league in time of possession, 28 minutes. Arkansas can't have the football more than 32 minutes tomorrow. I mean, that's the thing that's worn us down. This is the type of team, if they come out and they hold the football early in the game, that they can make you pay in the third and the fourth quarter. And we have not been very good in the third and fourth quarter simply because we've been worn completely out. Sam Putman – Old-style football coach, you talk about you know, taking the reins off of K.J. Jefferson. Hey, another thing to think about with K.J. Jefferson tomorrow is, man, you don't want to run him a whole lot. You don't want to get him banged up. They've got an off week after our game. So they know they've got two weeks to kind of recover after this game. So they may be a little bit more physical in the game tomorrow than they are with us. So 32, I think that's the number to watch in the game is how many minutes Arkansas has the football because they like to play keep away. All right, so are you suggesting that to win, we need to keep it under that number? Oh, yeah, we definitely need to keep it under that number. Probably need to keep it under 30, but 32 is the number to watch for because that's what they've been averaging per game. All right. Yeah, my second number is four. We talked about the sacks a minute ago. I think we need to have at least four sacks in the game tomorrow because Arkansas is a team that has given up a bunch of sacks this year. 
They've get up, given up six sacks per game in the last five games. In their five-game losing streak, they've given up right at six sacks a game. First two games of the year, they didn't give up many sacks at all. Of course, they were playing Kent State and Western Carolina. But in the last five games, teams have gotten to K.J. Jefferson. We have had difficulties, and I know we blitz a lot. I think against South Carolina, 26 dropbacks, we blitz 19 times. It's not about just blitzing. You've got to get home. You have got to you have got to put them behind the chains because Arkansas has had difficulty this year being behind the chains. Their offensive line has not been great at all. I think we need at least four sacks in the game tomorrow. All right, so it's asking a lot, but it is doable against Arkansas. It is. And my third number is two. I don't think we can give up more than two touchdowns in the first half. This is a game where Arkansas is – I don't think they're going to score a bunch. I don't think we're going to score a bunch. I think the over-under in this thing is 48-and-a-half, which is like a 28-21 type football game is what it is. I don't think you can allow Arkansas to come out and score three touchdowns in the first half. I think two touchdowns max in the first half because if they get a lead, if they get a big lead, they're going to play keep away because they keep the football. All right, so that's a look at your three numbers again. Run them down for us. 32, the average time of possession that Arkansas has. We need to get four sacks in the game, and we cannot allow them to score more than two touchdowns in the first half. All right, so that's a look at your numbers. We'll take a look at mine. My first number is 61. 61% is the completion rate that we can allow K.J. Jefferson to have tomorrow. Now, is that something that is very likely to happen with our defense? No. In fact, opponents have completed 74% of their passes against us, and that doesn't even get into just league play. That's everybody. You want to start running the numbers? That is six points worse than the 13th team, and that is Vanderbilt. we got to go six percentage points up to pass Vanderbilt in opposing completion percentage. That's been the kind of year it's been. K.J. Jefferson, however, is a guy who has thrown it well. You tend to think of him as this big guy who can run the football, but the fact is he's become a very competent passer during his time at Arkansas. Now, on the season, in the loss to Alabama, he was at 58%. In the loss against A&M, the worst loss they've had, only 12 points, 53%. At Ole Miss, he completed 64% of his passes. We're not going to score at the same rate that Ole Miss did. 61%, we got to have a little bit of an edge there. We, I'm not saying he's got to have his worst performance passing, but he needs to be in that A&M Alabama feel as opposed to where he was, say, against a BYU or a Kent State or even an LSU when he was in the high 60s, low 70s. And here's where K.J. Jefferson is different this year compared to years before. If you look at his first two or three years at Arkansas, his average depth of target was like 12, 13 yards down the field. It's only at eight and a half this year. So he is he's actually throwing more high percentage passes this season compared to years before. And I think a lot of that has to do with it almost looks like the old saying paralysis by analysis. It's almost like you're thinking way too much. I think there's part of it, and I think it's they don't trust to be able to throw it down the field. Yeah, a lot of that too. So all right, so my first number, sixty one. My second number is seven. That is the number of plays that we need to run the first time we have the football. If you assume, and I will for these purposes, that Mike Wright will be playing quarterback tomorrow, 
I think the worst thing you can have happen is come out and put up a bunch of put up two back to back three and outs. Next thing you know, you're down fourteen to nothing. Yeah. You we always think about points on the first possession, and that would be great. That's not something we've done a lot of this year. We haven't scored much on our first drive. But more important to me, look, points matter. Don't get me wrong. But I think as important is coming out, getting the football, and not going three and out, picking up a couple of first downs. And let's play this out, right? Let's say you take the opening kickoff. If you run seven plays, what that tells you is you've picked up a couple of first downs. You've moved it somewhere near midfield. And now when you punt, Arkansas has a reasonable chance to be back inside their 20, right? Yep. Everybody goes to the sidelines. Hey, we picked up the first down. We moved it around. We did some things. Maybe you make a mistake somewhere, but you go with a little confidence. If you come out and you try to go read option and stuff for no gain, handoff, gain a one, and then throw one in the bleachers, it's going to be a really, really bad day. And so Mike Wright, by the way, and again, we don't know. I'm just, you know, reading the tea leaves here as an outsider. It looks to me like when Mike Wright throws the football, if you were to throw it ten times, you're going to see six where you go, wow. You're going (laughs) to see two, you'll be like, eh, okay. And then you're going to see two that are going to be like, uh, loose. What, what, what just happened, right? So I also think it's important early if Mike Wright plays, you got to complete some passes. The way you do that, though, I think you have to play everything off the running game. So anyway, all that to say for me, my second number is seven, and that's the number of plays we need to have on our first drive unless terminated sooner due to scoring. Yeah, okay. Hey, I'm, I'm good with that because seven is not an undoable number in the least bit. What's your third number? My third number is five, and that's the number of times that Arkansas needs to punt the football tomorrow. This is a team that punts it on average about five or six times a game. They're the sec- they punted second most in the league, in fact. They punted it 33 times. I think we have to they they got to punt it another five times tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, you got to get them off the field. And I think the problem with that is – so it's – in seven games, they punted it 33 times. That's less than five a game. But when you start looking in SEC play, those numbers are higher. I think you've got to get them to five. And the reason – and the thing I think that scares me a little bit um, is that I feel like Sam Pittman is going to be a little more of a – I'm not saying he's going Tommy Tuberville on you tomorrow, right? I'm not saying that he's going just crazy on you. But I think he's going to have to open it up because he's going to have some fans behind him who want to cheer for a little while, they're going to be ready to t- turn on him. And I think the reason you see him be hesitant to punt the football is because of the pressure he's going to be getting. The reason we need to win, we got to stop some drives. We have to stop some drives and keep the football five. And I think to do that, by the way, you can't allow them in third, excuse me, fourth and one. Yeah, third and three, fourth and one. That cannot be the case. At all. And you're talking about Tommy Tupperville, the old riverboat gambler, not the step slider. The step slider? Yeah, you see him falling down the steps of the plane? Oh, I missed that. Yeah, it was not very good. Anyway. Unbox and all. Yep. All right, so that's a look at our three numbers, and now time for our two brothers. Two, two guys who can smoke you. Yep, two players that can smoke you, brought to you by two brothers. And, uh, hey, uh, before we go into that, Charlie, yesterday I had a chance to go down to – Howard Technology Solutions, 
spent a morning down there touring the technology plant, and it is just phenomenal and amazing what that company continues to do. Over 4,300 employees. Hey, they're always looking for Mississippi State engineers. And so we start talking about jobs and things of that nature in South Mississippi. You can live in Jackson. You can live in Meridian and commute down to the Howard facilities. They have many different plants in South Central Mississippi. But uh, howardcomputers.com online, and you can see how they can help you with your audiovisual online and how they can help you with your technology needs, whether it be computers, whether it be security, so many different things. So go to howardcomputers.com to see how Howard can help your business. And now time for our two players, brought to you by Two Brothers Smoked Meats on University Drive. Two Brothers right on University Drive. It's a great place to people watch. It'll be hopping tonight, later tonight, after the Bulldog Bash. And uh, my two players, Charlie, my first guy is number two, Andrew Armstrong. He's a Texas A&M Commerce transfer, the wide receiver, 6'4", 201. He's got 39 receptions on the year, 12 and a half yards of catch. He lines up at wide out 88% of the time. The thing about him is, is he is the guy when they go down the field. We mentioned K.J. Jefferson not going down the field as much. He's the guy they go to when they go down the field. 11.6 with the average depth of target. He had eight catches for 86 yards against Ole Miss. He's the guy I look for if they go down the field. And, of course, we've had uh, we've had a lot of teams have some success catching the ball against us this year. He only has one drop. And so look for number two, Andrew Armstrong, for Arkansas to use him in the passing game. All right. Who else you got? Second guy on the defensive side is number 40, Landon Jackson. You mentioned Mike Wright running that uh, the option a little bit tomorrow. Well, he's the guy on the edge, and he's the guy that you worry about and how that defensive end plays and how he gets to the quarterback. He had four sacks against Alabama, seven tackles against Alabama, and he's a run stopper as well. He's a big dude, 6'7", 281 defensive end, number 40, Landon Jackson. All right, let's uh, look at your two players. I'll give you mine. This is the guy who scares me. And Isaiah Satania, number 16, he's only got 40 yards receiving on the year. But this guy can run. He can really run. He's a freshman. He's out of Fayetteville. He was the Gatorade track and field athlete of the year in the state of Arkansas. And if you know track and field, Arkansas is pretty good at that, right? Um, this here's what he can do. He can hurt you in the return game. He has 164 punt return yards, 274 kick return yards. And when you start, if you believe that I do, like I do rather, that sometimes coaches get to listening to fans and it's almost like they just want to give them what they want sometimes, particularly when they're under pressure. One of the things that you hear a little clamoring about is why are we not getting this guy involved in the offensive sets why are we not getting him involved throwing the football because he is he has an 88 yard punt return for a touchdown so number 16 Isaiah Satania I think this guy is if we talk about the South Carolina game how it's almost hey we're going to show that we can do this we're going to answer some of the criticism I think this is a guy you get the ball in his hands he's dangerous I think they're going to try to do it tomorrow now the other thing that scares me if you look in SEC games He's been bottled up pretty well in terms of punt returns because most of the coaches are smart enough not to kick it to him in the middle of the field. I still have ghost of Derek Abney in my head here, so I am hoping that we do not kick it to him 
in the middle of the field. If this game tomorrow, here's one of the things that I look at. Arkansas has three interceptions they've returned for a touchdown this year. You can't let that happen, obviously. But you start to look at ways, I think historically, how do we go on the on the road? How do we get blown out? How do bad things happen? Pick six, big play in special teams. This is the guy who could do that. Yeah, he's a spark plug. Who's your other guy? I'm going with one of the much maligned offensive linemen, and it's the center, Bo Limmer, number 55. He's got 31 straight starts. He's 6'5", 307. If we're going to have success, we're going to have to win the line of scrimmage tomorrow. You're asking a lot for a defensive line that is depleted. You don't have Dinkins. You don't have Travion Williams. And what that means is that Nathan Pickering's having to play about 45, 50 snaps a game at nose guard. He is going to have a big old guy across from me tomorrow. But somehow, if we are going to beat Arkansas tomorrow, you're going to have to win the line of scrimmage. You're going to have to do some good in the middle. You're not going to allow K.J. Jefferson just to pull it down and run it right at you. I think he is going to be a big key in the ballgame tomorrow. I agree. And this offensive line has been much maligned. I mean, that's what they're talking about. We're talking about our defense right now, mostly, okay, and about the inability to cover the pass. That's what they're talking about at Arkansas is their offensive line play. And so that's going to be one of the big keys. And, of course, that's our Two Brothers Can Smoke You, brought to you by Two Brothers Smoke Meats. Got the barbecue pulled pork fries, the port rind nachos. Burgers are outstanding. Street tacos, the sandwiches. They've got a – Really good pulled pork sandwich. Their Cuban is really good as well. But uh, Two Brothers Smoked Meats, it's patio sitting weather right now. It's fall time, and that's a great place to go here in Starkville. Late night as well at Two Brothers Smoked Meats. All right, Bart, a couple of closing ideas. I always like looking through who graduated from an opposing school. And, of course, we know about Jimmy Johnson. You've heard my Jimmy Johnson story before about how he coached at Picayune High School. My mother's senior year, they didn't win a football game. But Jimmy Johnson, an Arkansas guy, of course, Jerry Jones, an Arkansas guy, the owner and general manager of the Dallas Football Cowboys. But one of the guys who kind of jumped out to me today, Pat Summerall. You remember oh, yeah. Pat Summerall that did play-by-play with John Madden forever? He called 20-something masters. But one of my favorite things, I love the old, understated announcers. A lot of people get excited now, and it's just a preference thing. I don't enjoy having people scream at me. I don't enjoy a third and one in the first quarter, you know, seeming like the final play of a Super Bowl. But one of my all-time favorite calls from a Super Bowl involved the New York Giants, and Pat Summerall's call was Sims, Bavaro, touchdown. It was just beautiful. Yeah, the whole – I mean, he's he's the guy you grew up watching if you were us. I mean, he was he was the guy on CBS. Then he moved to Fox. Then he moved to Fox with Madden. Madden, yeah. Yeah, understated. He was outstanding. Okay, listen, before we get out of here, by the way, Arkansas, the only thing I had, Arkansas is the smallest state west of the Mississippi. If you take out Hawaii, of course. I'm talking about the continental U.S., but if it's west of the Mississippi, now Louisiana is a little bit smaller than Arkansas, but the river goes through Louisiana. I'm just Ooh, talking about okay. I'm talking about completely west of the Mississippi River. Arkansas is the smallest state. So that raises an interesting question. I wonder how many people, if you were doing like the blind map test, if you just said, "Is Louisiana east or west of the Mississippi?" 
most people, I think, would say west, right? Yeah, you would say west. But, yeah. I mean, most of the state is west of the Mississippi River. But they forget about the river going through it. Baton Rouge. River runs Orleans, through it, yeah. All that good stuff. Robert Redford. Were you a Redford fan? Yeah. Well, I wasn't a natural. Redford made some decent movies. I was not a huge fan of The River Runs Through It, though. But, you know, The River only runs through two states, Minnesota and then Louisiana, and that's it. And in Minnesota, you can basically jump across the thing, right? Not yeah. a lot to it up there. It's like Nanawaii Creek, man. It's like the head of the Pearl River. You know the head of the Pearl River is in Nanawaii, right? Nanawaii Creek? I did know that. You did know that. I did know that. Okay. Hey, so question for you is – you're, you've had a chance over the years to travel around, to be on all the SEC campuses like I have. Where do you rank Arkansas? It's in the middle. I mean, it's it's okay. Um, it's You don't want to say it's an urban campus. I like Fayetteville-Bentonville area. I mean, I like that area a lot. Um, every time I've been up there, I've frozen to death. I, I guess it's, it was late football season. Hey, you remember this game was sandwiched always between the Alabama and the Ole Miss game. What, what did we lose, like nine in a row against Arkansas back in the 2000s? We just had their, our difficulties against Arkansas. Now we've had some success in Fayetteville. It seemed like we always played them in Little Rock. And then you go up there in basketball season or early baseballs when I've gone up there too and uh, have just froze to death. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool place. Bud Walton's an awesome place. They probably need to update it a little bit, give it a little fresh coat of paint, a little pressure washing. But uh, for the most part, I like Arkansas. All right, so another Arkansas question for you. You think back in our lifetime as the SEC has expanded. In 1990, the SEC expanded and added Arkansas and South Carolina. And then, of course, they come along later, add Texas A&M and Missouri. At what point to you did Arkansas become – a real SEC member because to me like if I were is if I were ranking the strength of a connection of a school to the SEC of all the teams that have expanded Arkansas is the most SEC to me I agree with that South Carolina is probably next but they I mean there's a big gap for me then there's A&M in there somewhere but like Missouri I, I just consider like an associate member at what point to you did Arkansas feel like an SEC team, or do you still think of them like an old Southwest Conference team? Now, let me tell you, when I thought of Arkansas, and this is very fresh off our conversation with Marcus Grant, is when we played him in basketball in, say, 94, 95. I mean, if you were in the hump during that time in the mid-'90s and you saw Scotty Thurman and you saw, you know, all those guys come in, Corliss Williamson, and you see how we played those guys and how big of a, a night those were. I mean, uh, man, it was uh, – Remember how bad people hated Corey Beck? <laughs> Todd Day. Todd Day. Uh, Todd Day, he came in, you know, with Oliver Miller. I mean, those guys could play. Yeah, but, I mean – Scotty Thurman. That was almost like instant rivalry in basketball in the mid-'90s. And so, to me, it, it fit right then. I guess football-wise, you know, late 1990s, you know, Clint Sterner, him fumbling against Tennessee is one of the big reasons that we went to the SEC championship game. And, of course, you know, Brian Hazelwood kicking the field goal out here. Definitely then. You definitely felt like they were in SEC then. Kevin Cooper made that big catch from Wayne Mack and yeah. kind of set up that big field goal. We won 22-21 when Hazelwood kicked it, and we went to Atlanta in 1998. So, I mean, there's been some big moments between the two schools. So, Arkansas, though, to me, feels like a real member. 
They are of the league. The rest of them, I'm still. I think A and M probably. I, I still South Carolina is just the one that feels weird to me. It does. Missouri feels extremely weird. That, in fact, when we think about teams moving, I could see Missouri. If ever there were a team who said we want out of this, you could see it being Missouri. Their facilities don't match up. Their commitment doesn't match up. It's just a weird place to me. Yeah. Even uh, though, and hey, I guess we will get to our picks. You know, we need to pick. All right. We had on me. By the way, we're only going to pick five games this week, okay? Because okay. there's like a ton of teams that are not playing this weekend in SEC play. But How for, are our standings looking? I thought you would probably ask that question. You are 13 and 14 in the 27 games, all right? And so we're it's picking not against much to the brag about. We're picking against the spread. Well, it's a little bit better than me. I mean, I've had some bad lucks. What I've had, okay. I've had some that are some flipped, bad beats at the end. Some some flips in the last 30 seconds. I'm nine and 18. All right, so I've won nine out of 27. All right, so here we go. Tennessee on the road at Bama. Bama is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, hey, we're just not picking – I can pick a win or a loss, but we're picking against the spread here. All right, so eight-and-a-half-point favorite, Alabama, Tennessee. Who you got? Alabama. I got Alabama as well. They're going to run it up. South Carolina is at Missouri. Missouri is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home over South Carolina. South Carolina's in a bad spot right now. Their head football coach likes to make excuses, likes to blame players. And that's one of the things that people get frustrated about, Zach Arnett saying things like bad game plan and those kind of things. But what Zach Arnett is doing is avoiding being critical of his own players. When you do that, it gets in a locker room. South Carolina goes on the road. They get beat, and they fail to stay within seven and a half. Okay, I'm agreeing with you on both of those games. I think Alabama covers. I think Missouri covers at home against South Carolina. Ole Miss, six-and-a-half-point favorite at Auburn. Ole Miss is going to take Auburn, and they're going to score, and they're going to score some more, and they're going to keep scoring. And Hugh Freeze and the boys are going to have to lean on a lot of love for each other when that thing's over to draw consolation and hope for the future. Going to be a lot of hugging after it's over with. Going to be a lot of hugging and – all right, so Ole Miss, I'm I'm there with you too. Ole Miss will cover at Auburn six and a half. All right, our game, the over under is forty eight and a half. Do you say over? Do you say under? I think it's going to be over. Think it's going to be over? I think it's going to be over, and we may not even get to put our points in the total. All right, this is where I'm taking a different view than you. I think it's going to be under. I think it's going to be under forty eight and a half. You over. think we hold Arkansas under thirty five? Yeah, but, I mean, if they beat us 35 to 13, they're still under. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm not going there. I'm trying not to be negative. I'm not negative. All right, the other game, the last game we got. Penn State on the road at Ohio State. Ohio State is a four-point favorite against Penn State. I want to like James Franklin, but I just can't I just can't like Penn State. I can't feel good about it. I'm going to Ohio State at home. Yeah, I think Ohio State wins by four. Uh, that's probably they'll probably win by less than ten, but I agree with that. So okay, we're we're staying the same on everything except our over under. So that's how it goes. And those picks with friends is brought to you by our friends at Country Pleasing Sausage. Country Pleasing is made right here in the state of Mississippi. Go to countrypleasing.com and uh, they'll ship it to you. But you can get it to all the great grocery stores in Mississippi and throughout the southeast. So countrypleasing.com. Hey, I had some red beans and rice last night. Had some country pleasing in there. 
It was fantastic. You like the jalapeno cheddar in there. I like just the old original. The pineapple, uh, pineapple and pork continues to be my favorite that they have. But country-pleasing sausage, it's our staple in our state as far as the sausage that we eat. It's country-pleasing. dramatic. It is. If you are a fine Mississippian and you love Mississippi, you're eating country-pleasing sausage, not the sausage made in some other state. But, hey, if you're in other states, you can get it there, too. So let's That's right. Not, don't drop your fandom at the state line. Nope. Enjoyed it. All right, so we'll be back together on Sunday, Mississippi State, Arkansas, tomorrow. Who knows? Bulldogs need to win if you get one. If you get a win tomorrow, you feel a lot different about where we are. If not, we may be consoling each other Hugh Freestyle. No. We no, we're not, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of – <laughs> never mind. All right, we'll see you Sunday.